Welcome to the Spotlight Hollywood Edition. We have a great guest tonight, Jesse Lipscomb, and uh, we'll get to him in just a little bit, but I am with my co-host, Kinte. Kinte, how are you doing this week? I am doing excellent. It's been a great week, a very productive week. I got a lot of stuff done, and I'm excited to end the week with you. Yay, and I'm excited to end it with you. Uh-huh. Yay, it's like the start, actually, of the weekend. See, I'm starting the weekend with you. That's awesome. I know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. So, uh, did you, uh, should we talk movies first? Uh, you know what? Be- before we get into the movies, uh, I just want to remind people that it's a live show and we want participation. And the way you can do that is dialing area code 347-857-3385. Once again, that's area code 347-857-3385. And remember, you have to press one to be entered into the host queue. That is the only way that we'll know that you've called. And another way you can participate is coming to our website, and that's at IndieRadio.org. Once again, that's IndyRadio.org. Come into our live stream chat and, uh, you know, chop it up with us. All right, so we got all that out the way. Uh, You want to start off with movies. I know you went to the movies this week. I did. Um, I saw um, Where I Leave You, and it um, it was so good. You know, the cast was fantastic. I wasn't really sure what to expect. And um, it was just a really, truthfully, most of the show was shot in like a house. So budget-wise on sets, I can imagine that they saved some money. But the acting and the relationships of the show were fantastic. I laughed. I cried. (laughs) (laughs) You cried? I thought it was a straight-up comedy. Nah, it was a comedy. It was really cute. Oh, okay. Definitely, you know, if you're trying to make points with a chick, take a chick and she'll love you. She'll love me? <laughs> All right, I might, I might have to do that. Uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to go to the movies this week as well, and I saw the film No Good Deed. No Good Deed starred uh, Idris Elba and Taraji P. Henson, and uh, it's basically Idris Elba plays this uh, escaped uh, lunatic and he kind of goes crazy so uh you know it, it it was an okay flick i mean i wasn't in love with it didn't hate it but uh you know i guess it was it was a decent enough time at the, at the theater so but you know I'm, I'm i'm really a big fan of both uh taraji p henson and idris elba so you know i i had kind of high hopes for it but you know it is what it is well, uh, I'm sure that people will still go out and see it. Yeah, remember, it was number one at the box office last week. So, you know, they, people ain't listening to me. They're, they're obviously <laughs> going to go see it. So, But, you know, I don't know if it, if it was worth going to the theater to see it. But uh, definitely, you know, it was, it was, a, it was an interesting flick. I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh I know that this is September or the end of September and September is generally the, the month where all the fall shows come back and a slew of them have made their triumphant return. Uh, we've had sons of anarchy came back. We had uh, law and order SVU came back. We also had shows like, uh, the blacklist came back and I know you watched the premiere, right? 
I did. That's what, one of my faves. What did you think? And, um, yeah, it was, you know, edge on your seat. However, I will say they let me down a little bit because um, they're they're kind of foreshadowing the mental breakdown of who I'm going to call their character that's kind of like a Clark Kent. You know, the, the FBI agent who's perfect and... and um, I have a feeling he's about to have a major breakdown because he refuses to see his shrink and she keeps telling him to. And so I don't know what's about to happen with him, but I'm sad because he's like Clark Kent. And now he's going to like fall apart. <laughs> oh, hopefully not. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But, yeah, in the ending, you know, I don't want to spoil alert the ending of the show up there this week in case anybody hasn't watched it. But uh, it was really good. It was, you know, we'll see what happens. And the beginning of it was the best ever. Like, I wish I could be as cool as the, you know, the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, a show that came back this week, let's see. Uh, We had the Sons of Anarchy, as I said earlier. And uh, what was that show that came back uh, this week? Scandal. Scandal came back. Uh, you know, uh, not a Scandal fan, but I know a lot of people were excited. I know they debuted How to Get Away with Murder. Uh, you know. Yeah, I missed it, and I do want to see that one. Yeah. But uh, another show coming back is Resurrection. Now, I know you love that show as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, I'll look forward to seeing it this week and see where we head with the show. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to shows that I'm looking forward to coming back is uh, we have Homeland comes back. I actually like that show quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good show. American Horror Story, the uh, freak show. I want, I'm waiting for this one. Yeah. So that that should be a good one as well. And um, pretty gruesome. So, you know, those are some good shows. So we'll see what happens there. All right, so let's get let's go back to the uh, film industry, and let's talk about the weekend box office. And I'm going to give you what your top ten. And uh, number ten is If I Stay. Number nine, The Drop. Number eight, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's pretty strong. It's been out seven weeks, and it's still in in the top ten. Number seven, Let's Be Cops, which is a proven to be a runaway hit. Guardians of the Galaxy is number six, and that's, that movie's doing very well. Number five, Dolphin Tale 2. Yay. Number four, No Good Deed. Uh, and that show, that movie is, is a hit as well. Number three, This Is Where I Leave You, uh, which you saw. It, it had a pretty decent first week. Uh, number two, this is surprising. I Walk Among the Tombstones. It, you know, it... It didn't uh, get that number one spot, mm. but, uh, you know, that's interesting. And number one, The Maze Runner. That, I, this I'm has surprised to be surprise. about that, actually. Yeah, that's number one with $32 million at the box wow. office, of a, and the budget is 34 so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, so that You know, mm-hmm. I, I do want to see it because I'm curious. To be honest, to me, the preview didn't get me to want to see it. Mm-hmm. But obviously there's something more there if it's, you know, hitting the number one spot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people think that this is some sort of Hunger Games type movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the reasons why that that film uh, resonated with so many people. 
All right. So let's talk about what's coming out this weekend at the box office. And we have the Denzel Washington flick, The Equalizer. And also we have the the box trolls. Now, (laughs) (laughs) let me go back to The Equalizer. I believe this is, I haven't heard this definitively, but maybe you might know this. But is this is this a remake of the TV show, The Equalizer, that I grew up watching? You know, I don't know. Let me Google this and find out. <laughs> yeah, because remember, there was a great TV show back in, the, I guess it was the 80s, and uh, called The Equalizer. And he was a badass, much like the Denzel Washington character ap- appears to be. So... Uh, Let's see who else is in this. Uh, we have, of course, Denzel Washington, Chloe Grace Moretz, Bill Pullman's in it, and Melissa Leo. It's rated R as well, and it seems like it has a lot of action. And it's directed by Antoine Fuqua, so so um, that's coming out this weekend. Does this look like something you want to see? I do want to see. It. Well, anything with Denzel Washington, I want to see. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like to see him, you know, kick ass. He's he's pretty adept at it when they when the script calls for it. Yeah, it's definitely he's really good. Uh okay, now I'm looking and it says that is it is in fact a remake of the T V show. Loosely. Cool. Okay. So interesting. Now you can see if you really think it works or not. Yeah. So we're not going to compare the two. We're just going to see if we like it or not. <laughs> All right. So those are the films that are coming out this weekend. Uh, if you get a chance to see one of those films, please let us know. Go to Facebook forward slash the Spotlight Hollywood Edition or it's Hollywood, uh, yeah, Hollywood Edition and let us know what you guys think. All right. So let's get to our guest. Our yes. Guest, yes, yes, yes. Our guest is an actor and a producer and uh, he could be seen in the film Mutant World really soon. It is the one and only Jesse Lipscomb. How you doing, man? I, I cannot complain. I'm, I'm, I'm here with you guys, so it's a good start. Good start. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, we're, we're really excited to talk to you, man. Uh, there's a lot of areas we're going to go over, but, you know, we always love to start with the beginning. So please let everyone know where you're from originally. Yeah, I'm originally from uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I uh, and yeah, it's actually fun. It's people ask me how how, the, how that story happened. My grandfather was uh, he's a CFL and NFL. I think just CFL Hall of Fame football player. He moved from North Carolina uh, to play for the Edmonton Eskimos. And then my huh. my father's my father's side was from a city called Amber Valley, and it's a uh, black settler, like all black settlers in northern Alberta, like really high. A lot of people didn't know there was like a city full of black people in like the early 1900s. And this is where his, that's where he came from. And they had this amazing baseball team there. Bessie Coleman is my great, great, great auntie. It's the first black lady to fly an airplane. The two oh, one love in Edmonton. They did their little whoop de whoop and then here I was. All right. Their <laughs> <laughs> little what? Their little whoop de whoop Their little whoop <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So growing up, now, now we've talked to a lot of Alberta actors and mm-hmm. we we always hear that they have such a great community and and they're very close community. Do you feel the same way? Uh, like the actors mm-hmm. in in uh, Alberta? Yeah, I think you know it's interesting. Like in Edmonton and Calgary, there's a there's a lot, a lot of differences in that sense. Edmonton's a big time theater and improv uh, community. Some of the best improv and comedians um, 
globally. Uh, they can compete with anybody in Edmonton, without a doubt. So, you know, th- this versus Calgary, where it's, it's film, I guess it's film community and business is a little bit more established. Larger projects come in there. Uh, so their community is a little more, I, I feel like, a little more disjointed than the Edmonton, the Edmonton community. Uh, the theater world, you know, they, they, they do plays together. They do improv together. They're, just, they're, they're pretty, they're together all the time when they perform. Um, and so, you know, I can, there's definitely a difference between the two, not necessarily a competition, but just, it's just a different environment. Hmm, okay. Now, um, let's go back to the beginning of your, your, uh, career as an artist or as an actor or yeah. musician. At what point in your life did you realize that, you know, you wanted to be in the arts? Yeah, so it's interesting, right? So I grew up uh, primarily as an athlete, you know, athletics was I, I always joke and say I was, I was an artist trapped in a job's body, but I still used I still used what I had until uh, I guess I was ninth grade, 1994. My mother was looking in a newspaper, and uh, back then they did these things called cattle calls. So there was a movie coming into town, and uh, one of the roles they were looking for was a you know young teenage black child that uh, could be loud and obnoxious. And my mom's like, "That's you. You gotta do this." And I at this stage I had never even thought about acting at all what i was focused on at that time was marbles I, like i loved marbles so my, my mom said to me listen if you go to this audition and i can hear you in the waiting room i'm going to buy you a jumbo steely marble and that's like a shot put essentially which you just crush everyone else's marbles with so for me it had nothing to do with film but i went to this audition with my mind on my marbles and uh i ended up getting the role and it was a movie called children of the dust it was sydney Poitier's first television uh appearance I played his son uh, opposite him and Regina Taylor at the show won an Emmy. And my acting career, just out of nowhere, literally from you know, basketball and just hanging out and getting a, wanting to get a marble to being interviewed by like Entertainment, to, you know, Entertainment Today or uh, E News, all those. Like, it was just ridiculous when I was 14. I had no idea what I was doing, but it definitely started my career and I kind of got a taste for it. Um, and from then on, I kind of I fell in love with the arts. Now tell me, because I gotta ask. I mean, what was it like working with Sydney Portier? I mean, how yeah, you lucky know, are you? Your first gig was with Sydney, right? And not only that, he literally—he was my mentor. Like every day, we did lunch together, and he would just tell me about the business as, as a black man in the business and what to expect uh, as, as I moved through it. And you know, I'll, I'll be honest, at fourteen, I didn't know who he was. I had no idea. Everyone just told me about Sydney Portier. I, I didn't have that that knowledge. A, I wasn't an artist at that stage. And I just, I just didn't, I didn't know. But afterwards, when I found out, I will think it was better because, uh, you know, it was very much like a grandpa, grandson kind of relationship where we just ate lunch. You know, we stayed in touch after the show. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. It, was, it definitely taught me a lot about the business. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I was definitely, definitely lucky for that opportunity. What are some of the things that you remember that he told you that stuck with you and really helped you through the years? Yeah, so, I mean, one of them, one of them was just picking the right shows. That was the biggest one for me uh, as a black actor. Just that chat we had, you know, because they're so, so, so easy for you know to fall into any stereotypical roles, especially you know working out of Alberta. You know, if there's if there's a ball player, or a bouncer, or a drug dealer, and you're an actor who wants to work, it's tough to say no to these gigs. Yeah. Um, if, if that's not what you want to do, and I, I mean that resonated more than anything, and uh, that plus uh, my grandmother, my mother, it, we were all together there talked about that all the time and it was it was nice because it was never um you know i want to i want to be famous was, i you know as i started to learn the, the craft i just love the craft of just creating and 
making things. And when you, when I was okay with that, I was also okay saying no to things that I wouldn't have wanted to make if I had made it myself. I uh, try to be proud of everything I'm doing, regardless if it's a crazy comedy or, or you know, a campy horror movie. There's something in it that resonates with me, and I'm proud of it. So, yeah, it's probably one of the biggest lessons that I, that I can still remember from our little craft, craft lunches. <laughs> What Sounds a fantastic. Yeah, what Go a ahead. blessing, though, to to start your career off like that. I mean, I mean, you couldn't pay for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. You couldn't absolutely. pay for that experience. But it's funny, too, because you started that way and not have any knowledge about the business. It's, uh, it's a lofty goal, and there were some expectations I thought were just uh, given to me. I, you know, in one of the interviews that I still have on my beta, um, you're like, oh, how, how is it? How is your first movie? How do you like acting? And I said something along the lines of, well, it's really easy I and mean, you don't really do anything you sit around for a long time they pay you a bunch of money and you get to eat for free i love it it was such, a, it was such an innocent yet pompous answer to the craft that i didn't know uh mm-hmm. how much work it actually took and i took that attitude with me uh, into my early days of acting and i you know i was getting roles but i think it was based more upon uh you know i had a look and uh there's a certain character that i could sit often um and then later on i got the the rude awakening um you know, I took a little break off acting when I went to college and things like that, and I came back, and, you know, nobody knew who I was. I wasn't a trained actor, and I was just getting no after no after no after no, and uh, I had to really dig deep and decide, do I love this craft enough to learn? And, uh, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, it was a great start, but it's, you know, sometimes those great starts can be full. Now, now you oh, said you went to college. Uh, the track is really bloomed through college? Yeah, so you know, track. I was doing track and field um, most of my life. I was lucky when I was uh, in 12th grade. I, at that time, I was the number one recruit in the world, so I got to pick any school I wanted to go to. Uh, you know, we went on some visits, and uh, you know, some of the big D1 schools. And then we did uh, we did a visit to Morehouse College. Um, and my, my, I I heard about Morehouse where uh, Martin Luther King went to school, Spike Lee went to school there, Samuel Jackson went to school there. And I thought this is, uh, you know, they've produced some phenomenal, strong African-American males. Uh, when I went to the visit, their priority was less about how many national titles I'd win them. It was more about them, you know, as I matriculate through my four years, that I will be a better man than I was before I came in, regardless of anything. And it, it, it's weird at that stage, you know, going starting between that or, you know, a school where it's just women for days and speeches and you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have your own house and use your car, although, you know, you can't really do that, but you know what I mean. Um, you know, and then to that school, which Morehouse is an all-male school. Sarah's next to an all-female school, Spelman College, but that idea was nothing I thought I'd actually end up doing, but it just made so much sense to be cared about as a human being as rather than just points. And so, you know, I ended up going there, and uh, I, I think it was a great decision, man. They were, it was a, I learned a lot from that school. You, you know, um, we're going to talk a little Hell on Wheels, but you know, one of the actors from Hell on Wheels, uh, Don Norwood, went to to a Morehouse as well. Did you guys uh, have any contact? I no, I didn't even know that. I didn't know there was another Morehouse cover in the show. Look out. Okay. Yeah, we talked extensively uh, when I when we were on the Helen Will show about his right. time there, and uh, it was a really good. Because any, I have a me personally, I have a a rule that any time I talk to an actor from HBCU, we got to talk mm-hmm. about that experience because uh, yeah. very few people really understand um, the the blessing it is to be connected with one of those kind of schools. I, unfortunately, I, I didn't get a chance to go to one, but I have a lot of respect for those institutions. So. Yeah, absolutely. Morehouse was 
I mean, it was definitely, I'm so, I, if I could do it again, I'd go there every single time. While I was in it, uh, I had different opinions. You know, I came from, I mean, the actual city I was from, St. Albert, Alberta, which is just a, like a, um, just a subset of Edmonton, but predominantly white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And my family, you know, they're American and Canadian, but, you know, I ended up going to Atlanta, which is a predominantly black city, to an all-black school. And for me, it was, it was surprising how not, how little of a culture shock it actually was. And it wasn't a culture shock for me because what I, the only thing that changed was the skin color of everybody. But yet you still had your skaters, you still had your people who listen to rock and roll, you still had your people who, you know, if they're musical, whatever it was, the same thing that happened in my high school, but it was just everybody was black. And it was, uh, it was interesting because some of my college friends said it was a huge culture shock. But for them, it was never seen that many educated black men in one place, uh, which I found really interesting that, you know, the guy coming from a predominantly white neighborhood didn't find the culture shock that way because... You know, my experience with most black males is, is that, you know, they're usually doing pretty well, but there's, they've never seen so many educated black people together. But you put all those individuals together, uh, it's just a certain level of strength that is hard to articulate. Um, but there's a, there's a passion in getting through that place, and the amount of, of history that you get in every single class, whether it's statistics or if it's African-American history, uh, it's, uh, I, I wish everybody could have that experience, but and also too i have to say this is if you know for young uh brothers who are worried about uh well it's an all-male school there is first of all it's in atlanta which i right. i think it's like 22 to 1 women to men ratio yeah. so you're gonna be fine oh my goodness <laughs> you're gonna be fine <laughs> and quite yeah, happy quite all that down there is no problem <laughs> we're in the thing called the aec the atlanta university center with clark atlanta spellman it, there, yeah, you, and, no, no, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm stuttering because that was not a problem. It just so happened at Morehouse in an all-male school that had females running through it all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, I always tell young brothers, you're going to be fine. And, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Absolutely, don't let that scare you away. It's actually quite the opposite. <laughs> now, did you start doing any training at Morehouse, like in theater? Yeah, it, so that's, you know, as it turned out, when I got to Morehouse, um, and what I did there too, when I when I went to school, I didn't I wasn't I, I didn't want to focus on uh, what the typical uh, athletes, at least in my world, were doing, just getting a physics degree, whatever the case was. I went and I, I ended up getting a science degree and a neurobiology degree, and then later my business master's. But it was all about like let me get as much as I can out of this place. I knew I wasn't acting, but it was a huge theater place there. So what I did is I started to uh, learn how to uh, how to write. So I started writing plays and writing musicals and uh, choreographing dance. And putting on these things, like actually producing a play and producing a musical, and, and learning how to do costumes, and uh, it was uh, that was it was really for me that was the beginning of my learning. So, you know, I hadn't been a writer at that stage yet, and I hadn't directed or produced any live shows, maybe one or two. And as I started to do that, you know, I started to hone my craft by watching some of these other people who were just amazing at what they do, as in selecting actors and dancers. Um, so I spent a lot of my time in uh, in Morehouse on the theater end. But behind the scenes, I didn't. Uh, I didn't act at all. Actually, throughout, I don't think I acted maybe once or twice back home. But uh, I was always behind the behind the scenes, behind the camera, or, or writing. And you mentioned musicals. I know you have a, a passion for music as well. What was your I, first yeah. musical that you did? Or well, well, the first musical memory would be it's at Morehouse. So my friends know that I love singing. My mom. We grew up musical theater 
old school. So we would go to musicals, and then, like, for example, we all went to Cats. I got an older brother and an older sister. And I remember after we went to see Cats, we'd come home and we always, my mom would like us to reenact uh, the musical. So she would literally <laughs> stick a shoved toilet paper out in our lips. So it was like puffy like a cat, and then she's like right bra whiskers on with mascara. And me, my sister and I loved it, man. We just handed up. My older brother uh, would not so much. So there's a cat in Cats that named Old Deuteronomy, and he's just like this yeah. grumpy cat. Yeah, so he always played Old Deuteronomy. He just sat in the corner with tissue in his mouth, grumpy. That's Old Deuteronomy. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, musicals are great, man. We used to karaoke all the time at home with our pretend foil microphone. But my first real musical experience was when I was at Morehouse, and my friends knew that I loved singing. I'm not a phenomenally talented singer, but I loved singing. I just loved it. I didn't learn, um, but, you know, it didn't matter. I thought it was okay, but I didn't, I knew it was no Luther Vandross. But uh, they're like, listen, Lion King is coming to town. You have to audition. And I'm like, well, okay, sure, let's do it. And so I go to their audition, and I heard you have to have a monologue and a song. So I got my song ready. I got my monologue ready. I get there, and I see all these, like, everyone's just, you, you know, you walk into a room, and everyone's just better than you. And they haven't done anything or said anything. They just have this air of, I'm a, I'm a professional, what I do, this is what I am. Everyone's holding sheet music. First time I even heard of sheet music, I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> and so my audition time that goes up, and they're like, uh, the, the pianist, uh, that's the pianist, the guy playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says to me, uh, uh, there was your sheet music. I'm like, I don't, I don't have any. Um, um, he's like, well, that's, you'll have to sing one of these three songs. And the only song I kind of knew was Somewhere Over the Rainbow. But kind of, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of, you know mm-hmm. And so he, middle C is in the middle of the piano. He moves up to like like high C and starts playing it. My voice is cracking. I'm sweating. Aww. Everything's wrong about this whole thing. I did my monologue before that. And then it was time for the judges to adjudicate. And uh, it's what felt like 10 minutes of silence. They just looked at each other and, and then said, uh, you know, your monologue was great. And uh, it was really good. And uh, But we've decided that never sing again in your life. <laughs> literally that moment I, I was crushed I didn't sing out loud for like three years I was Aww. like when people play sticks and stones you know names hurt so bad when you care about something and someone just takes your little dream and it crushes it uh. you're thinking about what that might do yeah. oh my gosh but so it was like I stopped singing completely and then uh, you know up the other half of that story was you know later on I uh, my then wife, now wonderful mother of my two gorgeous boys, uh, she she knew about this as well, and she said, uh, yeah, Jesse, I think it's time to slay the lion. And uh, I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, Canadian Idol's coming in, and I've watched every Idol from the beginning to the end. I love watching all American and Canadian. She's like, you go audition for Canadian Idol to slay the lion. So I went out for sure thinking I was going to be a joke, laughing stuff. I got to round one, then round two, then round three, then you're in front of the judges. I get my golden ticket, I'm like, what? <laughs> I was so jacked up. I did a backflip, and then I uh, you know, went to Toronto, and then I uh, you know top one hundred, top fifty, and I think I got kicked out of the top thirty. So that was the piece that gave me my like, you know, maybe maybe I'm okay. I can't maybe sing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was that little vote of confidence, and that's what basically that would be where my singing career actually started. Would be after Idol. Oh wow! It sounds like the women in your life have guided you well. I, I have to say that I have some phenomenally strong female role models and family and, and best friends, yeah, whether it's the mother of my child, my mom, my grandma, my sister. And as it turns out, I find that I'm friends with just great, strong women. There's, yeah, I agree. I like women. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, I like the women's, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, um, 
going back to some of the uh, the projects you've been involved with, uh, I see that you were in the uh, Michael Jackson story that uh, that uh, Flex <laughs> a- Alexander uh, played Mike in it. Yeah, what was that yes, like? I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played uh, James DeBars. That's right. I was Janet Jackson's husband. <laughs> at that time, man, that was uh, that was fun. That movie was funny. That that movie actually, though, uh, as it turns out, goes right next in that music story. I mean, I played that role. That was fun to do. But I remember I was on the uh, having lunch, and the producer was talking about these things called penny drops. And I had no idea what a penny drop was, but essentially that's where they'll take an artist's music and pay you a penny for it, and then on the back end, if it makes money, they they pay you money, so you get some profit share. Oh, okay. And so they were looking for music for the soundtrack. And he asked me, "Do I do? Do I have any music?" Now this is like fresh off Canadian Idol, but I don't, I don't have anything, right? But he's like, "Do you have any music that we can listen to?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. What do you need?" He's like, uh, "Well, bring maybe bring me your demo when you're on set next, which is uh, a week and a half away, and then I'll listen to it." I'm like, "For sure, for sure, I'll do that." So oh I go home, God. and I'm like, yeah, all right, "I got to find a studio, and I need to find a group." And so I called a friend of mine who I knew had a studio, and him and his friend make you know hip hop and R and B, and I said, "Listen, guys, here's the deal. I'm in the show." Uh, they need some music. I got some ideas for songs. Maybe we could lay these things down. So we did about three songs in like two hours. Like it was just, the synergy was like ridiculous. And so we made these songs. They were R&B, hip hop style. Brought them to the producer. He loved them. It became, the, the song became the theme song of the whole show called uh, Busted. So it was about when he got busted at the Neverland Ranch. And then we started this group called JNS, which was Jesse, Nathan, and Steve. And, uh, yeah, we, t- we opened, like, for groups like In Essence back in the day, and we did some tours on the West, and it was really fun. And I learned, you know, I got to learn a little bit more about the hip-hop R&B world, and uh, then that group fell apart a little bit. But it was, uh, yeah, VH1, man, that was, uh, that was a little bit, uh, first time my music actually got, you know, money. Hey, awesome. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Mu- they must have filmed that in Alberta. Yeah, they filmed that in Calgary. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I I, th- I thought so because I I see a lot of uh, of uh, actors that um, you know uh, you know native actors in in the production, so I'm like uh, it must have been filmed right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. I mean, it's you know the, the, this province is just amazing for productions. A you know you, it's tax incentives and grants which are great. Even the co-pros, so it's like a win-win. You know, we bring in service productions like Calgary does often and. You know, a lot of local actors get to work as well as a local crew. And, uh, you know, the production gets to save a lot of money by doing it up here. It's a win-win-win for the most part. For the most part. <laughs> <laughs> That's the no. executive producer of me. It's just biting my tongue currently. But, yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good uh, to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I wanted to find out what led you to do some comedy. Um, well, you mean like, uh, like, like acting, like film comedy? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was, you know, I've, I've, I've always was stuck, not stuck, but I just seem to always get dramatic roles. I'm, I think I'm funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, the first chance that I actually had to do um, a comedy, uh, I definitely jumped at it. And it was, you know, the, the comedy that I did most recently was a movie called Truck Stop Bloodsucker, which was a uh, vampire movie. It's like a campy horror vampire movie about a... Uh, Basically, there's these two vampire girls who are trying not to be vampires, and so nobody notices them. And then this this gang of thugs comes in with their philosophy of wishitude, which is essentially, you know, if I wish it, it will it will happen. And he believes he should be the most powerful drug dealer ever. He finds out one of them's a vampire. He holds them hostage until he turns into a vampire, and then 
it's just a big mayhem of vampires fighting each other in this crazy, hilarious show. But that Spoiler show alert. was, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, but totally worth it. <laughs> I think, yeah, you should know that I turned into a vampire and kicked serious ass. You should know that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was just like a great, it was, a, it was nice to stretch the chops, at least optically, for those who don't know I do comedy. And, uh, you know, and after that, you know, I mean, I, I apple and stand up from time to time, just randomly hit up a open mic just to, you know, if it's scaring me, I like it. If it makes me nervous, I know I'm, I'm near the fringes of what, uh, what I'm comfortable with, so I try and push them as much as possible. What material do you usually use for stand-ups? Uh, usually write it that day. I know that's not how, that's, listen, I know the art of stand-up is amazing for all those who do stand-up, but I, uh, there's just something about the, uh, like sitting down at, on that moment, thinking about my day and what happened and how I can relate it personally to my audience and try and come up with some funny anecdotes or some crazy things that happen and tell it colorfully. I like to try and challenge it that way. I don't, I don't ever intend to have a stand-up career, but it definitely does help and uh, just my ability to take on whatever happens on a given day. Do you like uh, interacting with the crowd when you are doing it, or you just want to stick to your material? Oh, I'd be, I, the crowd helps. Like my material, I write down as an actual skeleton, but a pre-tackle, that helps me. I'm much, much <laughs> more comfortable if we're just on it right now. Uh, it, that's, yeah, so I'm fine with that. It's, it's, all, it's funny, like basically sticking to my piece of paper would probably be the worst show ever. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Though. I like comedians that that do that, that you know, incorporate the audience. You know, because right. hey, you know, they they give you that energy. But I know some comedians, they're like, they are just like, nope, I'm gonna, you know, I don't want no kind of you know body messing yeah. with me or nothing like that. I just want to do my That's material. Right. I like that. You know, it's my. I like the show. I mean, I like going to those shows better too. It's just fun. It's just you take that fourth wall down, and now it's a show. We're all in a show right now, and it's. uh you know what? It depends on the heckler, though. Let's be realistic. Sometimes they're there just to mess your show up. Um, you know, I don't, I don't do stand up a ton, but I go to it a lot. And though that, those they deter from a show. But if you know you got the right people in the crowd and it's bringing the energy up and making the show better, I, I say let it happen. One, one of the uh, my my favorite comedians was a comedian uh, who's no longer with us named Robin Harris. Uh, okay, he did Bebe's Kids and and whatnot. And uh, he used to be hell on them hecklers, <laughs> you know. He used to, uh, he used oh to, yeah, That's oh awesome. yeah. He would murder them hecklers. He he loved it. So you know, who's I, your who's your favorite comedian right now? Right now is Dave Chappelle. I love Dave Chappelle. Chappelle. Yeah. yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, I, I like. I've liked him. I used to see him perform going way back when he was, you know, really starting out. So I've and I've been saying it. I've been beating that drum way before he was popular. So, right. So he's yeah. He's yeah, yeah. I got to meet, I met him last year at the uh, Montreal Comic Festival, and uh, really good dude. We were talking to him about a show that we were trying to put together, you know. And he did his. It was like his comeback tour. I think it was the second show that he did. Oh, and uh, yeah, he brought he brought all his kids. I mean, we were outside chatting for a good fifteen twenty minutes just about uh, you know, what he's doing next, and it was interesting, man. It was an interesting talk. You, I don't, I don't know if he was one hundred percent back yet. But he looks like he's doing okay right now. But it was a good dude, man. He's a, he's a he's just so smart, and it's it's like when you you know when you're sitting with really smart people, and it's just you can just tell they're just just way smarter than you. But even though they're hilarious, I mean, comedy's there's mm-hmm. genius in comedy always, which is the you know, same thing with film comedy. It's, it's one of the hardest, I think, one of the hardest genres to deliver properly. But he's uh, talking in one on one. He's a, that man is a is a smart smart man. One of my favorite uh, jokes I ever heard—I mean, uh, not joke, but story—I heard a comedian tell was uh, Kevin Hart 
said that him and Chris Rock was at the uh, Carmody Cellar in New York, and they were you know right. working out material. So, so uh, I think Kevin said Chris went up. You know, he did very well, and then uh, then Kevin went up, did very well, and then they kind of was, you know, they were going over their notes, you know, helping each other out, and then they said mm-hmm. Dave, Dave Chappelle came in and was like, oh, did you guys go up? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we, we went up. He's like, okay, I'm going to go up, you know, so he went up, yeah. destroyed the room. <laughs> Yeah, they threw. Awesome. They said they threw all their jokes away. They was like, like they felt like they were amateurs, you know. Like that. That's yeah. how, how awesome Dave Chappelle you was. Are, you guys are in L.A., right? I'm in L.A. I am. You're in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out a comedian, Rel Battle, R E L L Battle. Mm-hmm. This, this dude is is just he's hilarious. He's I mean he's hilarious. He's gonna be. I feel like he's gonna be that next thing for sure. He's I know he's working with funny, uh, funny or not. That's the Wayne Brothers uh, comedy show online, but uh, okay. this guy's the, the business. And it's even, yeah, he's just good news. Anyway, just since uh-huh. we're LA and talking about comedians, and you called it early, I'm calling I'm calling Rel Battle today. Jesse uh-huh. <laughs> and I just hey, I'm in Ohio, it. so let's hope Rel comes to Ohio. <laughs> yeah, all right. hey Rel, go to go to Ohio and yeah, come us. on down. Right. Funny Bones is right by me. <laughs> and, and I just started following him. Um, so um, let's talk about Mosaic. Yes, 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 yes. All right, so Mosaic's a, it's a film and television company. Uh, it's eight years, eight years old, eight years young. Um, I joined just over two years ago as a partner. So there's uh, three of us, Eric, Camille, and myself. And uh, this, you know, we primarily have been doing script content, mostly comedies. The, the company started off doing three seasons of a sketch comedy called Caution, May Contain Nuts, which was basically just, well, a sketch comedy show, which was very funny. Um, then we did... Uh, they, they actually did Truck Stop Blood Suckers. That's how I, I uh, ended up working with them afterwards. Hmm. So that was their that was their feature. And then um, a TV show right now that's doing really well for us. It's called Tiny Plastic Men, and it's a it's another it's it's um, you know live action scripted adult comedy. It's on pay TV, so we can pretty much do and say anything, and we do. Um, what's great about it though is you know how we attack humor is it's not just funny just for slapstick humor. There's always something. You know, we'll tackle race issues, we'll tackle youth issues, and we tackle it with humor so you can laugh. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're like, there's, it's funny because it's true, and it's, and when it's true, you're like, that's something wrong with the fact that that's true. But I can still laugh and leave, leave the show having a good time. Um, that show has been doing all right for us. I mean, it won, um, got nominated for a Canadian Screen Award, um, a Rocky as well. Rocky, you know, same, where it was company like, uh, The Office and, uh, Big Bang Theory and our show. So we're, you know, we're making some waves. We'll be in uh, in the states on 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 Hulu this this year, which is fun. So because it's been primarily Canadian, um, but you know now we're moving into features a lot more. You know we do video games as well that kind of work with our TV shows. Uh, there's a game called Kitten Assassins that goes with Tiny Plastic Men. So it's kind of you know trans transmedia multi platform stuff. Um, you know we also do uh, just so you know the new game that we're doing for Tiny Plastic Men is called Gay Box. It's gonna be awesome. Don't tell anyone. It doesn't come out yet. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, this is live. That would... I want to beta test it. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, okay. That'll work. We can do that. <laughs> um, and then, what else are we doing? Yeah, I mean, so we're doing features. We're doing TV. Um, you know, we're starting to look in the world of co-pros and working with other individuals. But we just have such a strong crew. We have some of the, like, I'm, I'm going to spit names because they're great. I, I had a guy named Chris Craddock, one of the best writers in the country. Uh, you know, Matt Alden and Mark Meir some of the best comedians and improvisers that I've, I've ever seen. We are so blessed to have such a 
pool of talent that we can just work with over and over and over. We just we keep doing our own projects over and over and over, and they're doing well. We're having fun making what we want to make. It's uh, it's good. You know, we get a lot of. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, we get a lot of actors that come on the show, and they say that. Uh, a blessing is to you know yeah you you do your 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 pay gigs but to be able to generate your own work now that's where yeah. you want to be at so you yeah. know so you have to you get to wear the actor hat you get to wear the producer hat and you also get to uh to have um you know uh the um writer hat as well right yeah i mean i it's funny like i would love to keep my writer hat on but sometimes you just have to bow down so you know right now <laughs> The talent of our of our writers is just so good. There's no all, there's no need for me to at this stage. No, I still write for myself because uh, I like it. It's cathartic, you know. But uh, right now, it's nice. I get to wear my producer hat, no doubt. I get to wear my my acting hat, my music hat, and those keep my creative juices going. But you know, on the end, it's weird. I'm a little a bit of a hybrid. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I was probably 19. You know, so I opened a couple fitness studios, a fine dining restaurant. Um, you know. Um, another live music venue. It's been business, 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 and arts. Uh, so executive producing kind of just fit. Uh, and so, yeah, I get to wear, you know what I get to do? I'm a professional passion follower. I get to do what I love to do, just like anybody else gets to do it. It's just, you got to go ahead and leap. But you can't lose. You can't lose if you believe in it. It's impossible. Never a time. I can tell both of you guys right now, and whoever's listening, there's not a time in our life we believed with every cell in our body that we could do something and we didn't do it. The only time that we didn't do it is when we had a little small piece of not believing. Literally, all we have to do is get out of the way of ourselves and you could do absolutely everything. And it's such a fun thing to play this video game called Life. I'm enjoying it immensely. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Sorry, I went on a little soapbox. No, no, no. Hey, <laughs> we're on board with all of that. And I'll, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, what it, what it shows is that you know, you don't have to wait around for the phone to ring. You can actually get up and make your own destiny. And that's what I think a lot, of, a lot of people yeah. need to hear. Because, you know, I know a lot of people, they're just sitting there waiting for that phone to ring. And it's like, you know, let's, yep. let's do something. So, and How do you instill I, I, this in your children? Um, you know, I, hopefully, I'd, you know, I, I guess I follow kind of like what my parents did. And, you know, me, my sister, we're all different. We're all different. And... Oh, I think we might have lost you. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Sorry, guys. I think I pushed pushed a button with my face there. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're like everyone's completely different. But my my mom never pressured anything. She was supportive of everything. So my father, both of them were. You know, if it was like I'm making a spaceship and I'm going to Mars, they'd be like, "All right, you got to put in the work. You got to put in work." <laughs> and they're like, "I'll help you out as much as you need to." There's not a time that I thought that anything I was going to do was like crazy. And so, you know, same thing with my children, you know, my son, my, my youngest son, he's four years old, you know, he loves music and he's going to, he says he's going to win until you think he can dance. My oldest is football all day, sports all day long. And, uh, you know, whatever, and that might change. Whatever the case is, all I'm going to instill is try, like literally try your absolute hardest and it's, I'm behind you and you'll, you'll do well. If not, you'll probably do well. You try your hardest, you're going to succeed at it. And that's, I hope Man, it's filled with a bunch of love and sprinkle some hugs. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> now, now I, now I have to ask you uh, about Hell on your Hell on Wheels experience. As people know, we do a, a show about Hell on Wheels, and 
I don't know if I can say you had the pleasure of being killed by Buffalo Bill. <laughs> Ted Levine. Oh, yeah, that was fun. That was a funny. I, I feel like I was in that one as well. It's fortunate that I uh, that I got to be in the pilot. The pilot at that stage, you know, a pilot that big a budget. We're trying to get the show and get it picked up, and it hadn't been picked up yet. So we took the time, and they brought in. Uh, you know, we got to do cold reads with you know common. Colmini. There was just six of us, actually, and the producer and director, and we would just sit in the room and just read, and you're hearing some of these phenomenal actors, and they're just amazing way that they speak, and, and you know, then my turn comes around, you know, just whatever, but then even Colmini follows you afterwards, and the experience of actually creating a show and making sure that everything needs to be exactly how it was, and, you know, carving out a friendship with Common, and both of us working and talking about how important this, this role will be for both of us. I mean, at the time, we thought and I played his little brother. We thought that was going to last a little bit longer, but then, you know, writing changes happened. But nonetheless, it was, uh, it was pretty fun. Getting, it was actually very fun getting killed because we had to actually first work with a real horse. And we were practicing what happens when he arches up and kicks his foot. And then uh, what happened was uh, the director yelled, cut, but the horse doesn't know cut. So the horse kicks again, but I, everyone stops. So I've turned my head. This horse literally like two inches from my face and it's a giant horse, like to the point where that I Willie and Jesse would have died if that thing hit me. So instead of the horse, we we, we ushered the horse out and we brought in this little wee little hoof that was you hold like by like a pencil. And so it, so the so the director was in there and he's like, "Hey, one, two, three, and we just wiggle it, and then I just fake and jump back. It is the lamest foot kill. <laughs> it went from a giant, huge Clydesdale horse to this little popsicle stick hoof. Uh, man. Anyways, it was a funny story, but that's uh, that's what happened. Did that's they let you died. keep the hoof? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're like probably going to need this. We're no longer going to kill our actors off, literally. So we should probably keep this around for any other horse deaths. Now, now <laughs> that's funny. We had a debate about you the other day. Um, so your character William was in fact uh, Elam's younger brother. Yeah, that's right. I was his little brother. Oh, see, I guess she was right. I, I, you know, people were people were saying, "Oh no, that wasn't the brother." I mean, it was like a big debate. People were. Oh yeah, yeah, that was the brother. And, you know, so common. Obviously, I mean, uh, his character is much lighter than me, um, and that's that's because, uh, well, obviously, you know, it happens oftentimes back in the slave days, and uh, master liked liked the the field lady, and mm-hmm. and so we're half brothers. That's how that happened. And so, you know, he was a little smarter than me. He was the intellectual one. I was field. I was field hand the whole time. But we had a we had a we had a really close relationship. And uh, you know, we were we were doing this thing together. And uh, there was a time we were thinking about going the other way and talking about the the, the pre story of how we like what our family was like. But they went the other direction. But yeah, it was uh, yeah, it's my I was my half brother. But as far as we were concerned, I was my brother. And he took care of me, and I protected him. Now, that was really interesting. You said that they were going to go a different way. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, these are, I mean, what, this is, so it's usually what happens is, I mean, we, uh, even at audition time, you know, even just with your deal memos, they talk about what, you know, this is what our plans are, it'll be you know, three or four episodes, um, and then when we're on set, you know, there we're talking about, this. you know, you guys are brothers, this is something we're going to explore in later episodes, and, you know, it's just chat at that stage with writers and with producers, and, you know, we're all doing what makes the most sense, um, obviously, for, for the show. And, you know, when, once it got picked up, then it's a different story now. There's other heads in, involved in different directions that they thought were going to be the strong ones. So, initially, we, 
we thought that, that was going to be the direction. That's also why my front credit says starring Jesse Lipscomb, but then I said at the end of it. So it's just, uh, yeah. But it's, uh, it was, yeah, it was interesting. It was fun. It was a fun process, no doubt. So you were going to be a regular then on the show. That's yeah. That that was that's that's exactly right. We even we even talked about maybe we can bring him back. Maybe with an eye patch, and people won't remember that he was Willie. They're like, man, we did not mean to kill you. Like, we wanted to keep you, but we just you know your character ended up being something we that died. Which, uh, but anyway, the uh, the network was not okay with uh, me coming back to somebody else. I thought people would know. Yeah, oh, they probably no, would. Come on, networks. But but I, I'll say on, for, for those who who may be feeling sad about about his character getting killed, he did uh, he did his death was avenged by common uh when yeah. he slid uh buffalo bills uh ted levine's character's uh throat that's right with the that's arizona right. toothpick right. yeah. i remember <laughs> was uh what it was called in there so that that was pretty I, cool i remember when uh when willie was under the sheet in the tent and i was supposed to play you know play dead um anytime i sit still for like five minutes i'm out and like there's so many movies where I have to play dead, but I end up I was passed out sleeping for that whole scene, which is funny. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even get to, I didn't even get to see it till it was on. I'm like I didn't even know what happened. Oh, that was cold. <laughs> oh, that uh, is hilarious. Funny. Yeah. So, uh, um, so how was it working with uh, Common? Uh, you know, uh, being someone who started it, who did you know music and got into hip hop mm-hmm. and stuff like that, I can imagine you must have liked him previous. Yeah, absolutely. I was a fan of Common, without a doubt, beforehand. I, it's like we kind of gravitated to each other, probably because we were the only two black guys in the in the, in the room when we were reading. But mm-hmm. even after afterwards, you know, we just started talking about what we did in the past, and it was really it was interesting too because at that time, you know, Common also hadn't done a ton of features either, and so you know, it was it was it was interesting, somewhat flattering when Common was asking me for for acting advice and how to do some stuff. And so you know, we would spend some time off the set working on things. And no, understanding the gravity of his role and how important this would be, A, for his career and for what, what story we're going to tell. Even though we didn't know the entire story, we just knew that we were a part of something special with the show. And then even when the show was done and I, you know, I was done, he and I still would, you know, he'd come up to Edmonton and he'd make a show. And, uh, I'd come to the show and go for dinner, come back to Calgary. We stayed in touch for a while. And it was, uh, it's rare that post-show that you actually have, you make a friend, everyone's best friend when you're on set. And you feel like you're going to talk forever, but then it ends, and then you go back to your real life. And it's not that there's any love lost; it's just it's just reality. But uh, we actually stayed in contact for years, so uh, he's a great, great guy. Uh, learned, I think we learned a lot from each other for sure. You know, the question everybody wants to know is: Did you did you battle him? Did you did you challenge him to a rap battle at all on the set? And, yeah, uh, could it be yours that's breaking up? Uh, I know we're back. That's perfect again. Sorry, yeah. I heard a small little bit of rope. Now, what is the question? What is the question? No, no it's, uh, that um, did you did you battle rap him at all on the set? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. And I'll tell you, I, I mean, I say I wouldn't. I will battle anybody just because it's fun. But when I heard him come to Edmonton and he did a show, so it's funny. We were backstage, and he's like, "All right, tell me some things about Edmonton." I'm like, uh, "I don't know, Wayne Gretzky, uh, the Oilers, um, this random things." Like, and then he's like, "All right, got it, cool." Then he goes on stage. And he rips this like ten minute freestyle, flawless, just throwing in all of this stuff, calling my name out, calling my our character's name out, everything about Edmonton, and just it was like it was one of the best freestyle impromptu ten minute long performances I've ever seen. He's a he's a master of what he does for sure. But yeah, I still battle you, Common. What's up? 
<laughs> we gotta get it going. We gotta get it. Yeah, go ahead. Show. Call, call him up. Let's do this. Up, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know what happened to his character, though, right on the show? Yeah, with, yeah, with the bear. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. they recently killed him off. So, so yeah, yeah, it's pretty sad. But you know, but it, yeah. that's that the way. That, it goes. That's okay. He's got some money. You know, now he can go ahead and do some more big, huge, amazing things. I hope. That's right. Yeah. All right, so um, yeah. now we got we to gotta talk also about the new project that we kind of teased in the beginning, Mutant World. Tell us about that right. project. All right, so Mutant World, that's, uh, you know, it's interesting. Some of the producers from Hell on Wheels, they produced that, which is nomadic entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Mutant World is a show, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic movie, and it's about basically the world ends there's people who've been living underground for a good 10 years and then they need to come back up for fuel and food and they get back up and they're looking around and they run into things they don't really want to see and then they run into me my posse and my people and we take them in and uh you know make some deals with them say we'll get them food we'll get them shelter and um so over the time what happened is this nuclear meteor shower came and there's like mutants all over the planet and uh you know they're protecting themselves from those things and as it turns out some people have been exposed to radiation, so at night they become a little bit different. And so what they think is a safe haven actually turns into could be their demise, depending on how things turn out. So that movie is premiering tomorrow at uh, at SIS, at, at so Calgary International Film Festival. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to check it out for the first time tomorrow. It's, uh, it's got Ashanti in it, Tim Coates from uh, Sons of Anarchy, uh, Holly DeVoe, a uh, phenomenal actress out of Toronto. Uh, a bunch of people, but it's good. It's looking, it's looking like it's going to be a pretty fun show. Now, I have to say, um, you know, Kim Coates is great, Holly DeVoe, but, you know, Ashanti, that's, you know, I, <laughs> I love me some Ashanti. <laughs> what was it yeah, like working fun. with I, that I, young I, you lady? Know, I didn't work with her a lot, but I met her. And she's a wonderful woman. She's, uh, yeah, she's very, very nice. Very beautiful. But, yeah, she is. She's a, she's a stunning woman in person, as she is in all of her pictures. She's, she's, uh, she's, she's photoshopped in life. <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that. Yeah, she she always got that Instagram on her. Just it's like a it's like a stay filter forever. It's good. Oh man. <laughs> now, did you get a chance to work with uh, Kim Coates? He's Canadian. Isn't no, he? I uh, yeah, as, yeah, I did not get to work with him either. As it turns out, like all those um, all the fun people, and then my my band of 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 misfits was it was just this different. Well, it's very funny, but anyways, my my crew was definitely not. Uh, we were in different scenes completely. We were in the gutter. These guys are, they're all the heroes, and I'm the e- evil gutter dwelling half mutant, you know, the sexy role. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> Green eyes. Just messy. It's just all messy. Will, will we be able to see it in the States? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be on the sci fi channel, although this is different. Because they're doing a theatrical release, I'm not sure. I haven't actually, you know, kept up to date with what the release is it was initially going to be a sci-fi television on the sci-fi channel but uh given that they have a theatric release right now they may have a, a different deal so hopefully hopefully it hits select theaters that'd be awesome oh okay we definitely yeah. gotta keep our eye out for keep that. us informed yes, yes absolutely yes. and uh oh we're yeah. gonna stay in touch oh definitely oh yeah we're gonna be I hitting you it. up um forbidden playground too um is that come out yet uh, so I went to the premiere of that one, uh, but it's not out. I believe 2015 spring is when that comes out, and that's supposed to be a, uh, uh, a Paramount show, so that should hit some, some theaters. That was uh, by far to date my most challenging and rewarding acting experience. It was a show that's kind of like a fatal attraction, but the reverse. You know, it was a man, a, a school teacher that everybody loves, um, 
ends up falling for uh, another woman who's married. Uh, they have a uh, one-night stand, mm-hmm. and then she tries to break it off, and my character is not okay with that. He actually just, he just snaps, and he doesn't snap uh, and just go buck wild, but he just has made up his mind that he is supposed to be her wife. He's supposed to be, I mean, he's supposed to be her husband. He's supposed to be the dad of the children. He's supposed to just be the number one person in her life, and that he would do anything to show how much he loves this woman, even to the point of, you know, basically murdering anybody and anything that gets in his way. Everybody. He's, it's just horrible. He's a horrible human being. He's the things <laughs> that he does. And, uh, and for me to go to that level of, of psychopathy is ridiculous. It was, but it was also rewarding because I, I, you know, I'm generally a pretty happy dude and that was not happy. Nothing about it. Please tell me, uh, he stayed on the set. <laughs> he didn't bring him Yeah, up. he did. You know, it's funny. It's interesting though. Like I, people didn't like me. And that was weird because I, you know, yeah. actors I'd never worked with before, right? But I was in, like, I mean, that was, that was the one where I literally had to go to, I was in a character for, I mean, almost the girl I was dating at the time, it almost ended that thing. He didn't just, he, could, he worked 12 hours a day as this horrible person. And, and even, you know, people didn't want their kids around me. If you just tell at lunchtime, I mean, everyone would say, hi, I know I'm acting. But they just didn't know how much of that was me and how much was, you know, a, a character. And it was, uh, you know, a month of that's trying, man. You're trying on yourself, too. And <laughs> I started, you know, I was identifying with this guy, and, but not in the, that way, but in the way that, like, look how far he would go for love. Like, I started to see the beauty in it. And I, the closer I got to that, I think the, the, the scarier that character became because it wasn't me playing a guy doing bad things. It was me defending the beauty and how far he would go for something he loves. And uh, as soon as I started talking like that, I'm like, dude, I'm here. And it was neat. It was really cool. But he's gone. He's gone. There's a sequel, though, but he's gone. They were asking, was it the true you coming out? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man, that's that's hilarious. Well, um, so what can we expect from you coming up? I know we talked about uh, Mutant World and and, uh, we also talked about uh, Tiny Plastic Man, but what else can we expect from you? Um, you know, a couple things I'm excited about right now. I mean, my new band right now is called Cornbread. It's a uh, funky Latin reggaeton hip-hop band with horns and congos, drums and keys. That's exciting. We're going to record in, uh, in November. So on the music end, we'll have some stuff out there that everyone can check out. Um, also, you know, we have another TV show that we're doing right now called Delmar and Marta. Uh, hopefully that'll be rocking out early, uh, early 2015. A couple of features. It's you know it's really mosaics really busy we we're slated up across the board personally I, I, I try to be as well um, so you know I'm, I, I'm I'm excited about the music I'm excited about the features coming out I'm really excited about Edmonton and what it's doing in this uh, film and television world not just theater and hopefully after the next year or two we kind of put ourselves on the map and people notice it's not just an oil city it's full of phenomenal artists. Mm-hmm. that are hilarious and talented and uh, we're ready to share that with everybody and bring some people into our city too. It's fun. A quick question about Mosaic. Um, Funding-wise, have they ever used any crowdfunding sources for it? No, never crowdfunded at all. Actually, we've been, uh, for the most part, we uh, definitely utilized what we have here for tax incentives and grants and, app- and grant applications. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in conjunction with, you know, myself, by pri- primarily I'm on the private end, so, you know, private private investors and you know kind of bringing that world together it's a great economy we live in for sure so you know and you, know, you can really mitigate the risk of investment when you do things in alberta based on the grants and taxes and let's look at the hat slip to ep but it's uh 
Um, so yeah, you know, we utilize all of the things we can, but crowdfunding, not not a ton yet. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the right project, like projects, but I mean, our budgets are generally, you know, one to five million, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it could happen definitely could happen and maybe it's top up funds or marketing but uh currently we got a pretty solid system of of, of fundraising great and and that and that's something too i found out is that the uh the um the in the canadian government they actually really do a lot to help oh, out the arts yeah they do they help out a lot uh, big time it's it's amazing um you know basically it's uh if you put in the work uh, and, and you know and do your applications you know what it is it's more it's more knowing what's available i think that's the big thing a lot of, uh, of producers probably some of the new ones don't have an idea of how much is actually available in our country and even in the states as well like why it would be such a great idea to do a co-pro or write with a canadian and uh utilize what we can do and you know we can just we can spread what we have we want to make great television and we want to do it in our own country and so we incentivize our people to do that and uh i think a little more knowledge of understanding what those systems are would be uh, a good thing. So if you're out there, producers, check us out. Check any Canadian producer production company out. There's some good stuff out there. We can make movies happen. <laughs> um, and I wanted to get in here, too. You're also working on a fitness video? That's, that is true. That is true. It's, uh, so the fitness program is called Flow Power. So, I mean, if you like flowpowerfitness.com, it's, a, uh, it's like a mix, like a hybrid of... Tai Chi yoga, high intensity training. Um, it's it's going to be the next fitness craze in the same sense that you know P ninety X is like the Zumba's, the Beast Beast Body or Body Beast, whatever that is. T twenty five. So we're we're going to be that next thing that comes out in quarter one of two thousand and fifteen. But you can definitely check out what it's about at this stage. Great. Yeah. All right. So you got video games. You got music. You have. Uh, TV shows you that you're producing, you're acting in films, you know. The, he even the, mentioned a restaurant back there. Uh, oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm just having, I'm having a great time. I'm just it, until someone says no, and no one's going to because I'm not going to say no to myself. So yeah, having fun. Yeah. You, you know, last week we we interviewed an actor named Zach Santiago's from Canada as well, Vancouver, and yeah. uh, this, you know. Uh, and this cat was, you know, very similarly doing, you know, music, uh, acting, and all of that. And now, and I noticed that a lot of the Canadian actors we interviewed, they seem to be, they have their fingers in a lot of pies. Do you think that's something indicative of, of, uh, in just being an artist in Canada that that kind of pushes you that way? Or, or uh, no, I got. No, it's interesting. I'd, I'd probably say it, it's it's twofold. Yes and no, depending on where you're at with it. Sometimes. It's not because you want to, uh, because of the amount of work that uh, that actor may be able to get in uh, our province or country. They may be forced to do other things to supplement a year in like the in, in the field that they love. But second, on the other end, on the other end, like in in my case, I for me, I, I thoroughly love all of these things. Like it's not a I need to supplement any of them, and I uh, you know I found a way to you know, create something, whether it be a fitness company and then hire people who are better than me, uh, to run it. And that, you know, I'm still there. I still own it, you know, and, uh, I still have my say in it, but it's not my everyday thing. That's allowed me to, you know, it's given me the freedom to do the things that aren't so guaranteed like act and sing, uh, where I don't know for sure my next dollar is coming from. I kind of just set up, I set up my wins to help me win at some of the other things. So a lot of luck, but also 
there was a lot of thought put into it. Um, yeah, but you know, I wouldn't say the Canadian actors per se are more multitasking than anywhere else. I think it's just uh, you get the right person who can juggle those things properly. It works out. All right, you on that grind. I love it. Yeah. All right, so awesome. we're at the uh, point of the show that I aff- that we affectionately love to call rapid fire, and the way that rapid fire works is that me and Tara Lynn will pepper you with questions, uh, more of a personal nature, but we don't get too personal. We ain't, we don't get down like that. But uh, <laughs> are you okay, down? this is fun. Rapid fire questions. All right. Yeah. Now, now we call it rapid fire, but you know we we want good answers, so you know it doesn't have to be as rapid. As it, as All the, right. the title may suggest. I mean, listen, I can give you quality and, and speed at the same time. Don't worry. I will not. It'll be all right. Let's all right. This. Well, let's do this. All right. Here we go. The first question that I always like to start off with is a couple of years ago at Coachella, they did a hologram concert for the rapper Tupac. So the question is, what dead artist or band you would like to see a hologram concert of? Mozart and Michael Jackson collabing. Ah, I like that. That's a first. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. My question is, what's your highest jump? Uh, seven foot six, 230. So two meters, 30 centimeters. Okay. Now, now, what is your favorite uh, guilty pleasure junk food? Oh, sour candies, maniers. Anything with sour on them and chewy, but they have to be fresh because if they're not and they stick to your teeth, I'm upset, I'm angry, I throw the bag out. so anywhere in the world you could travel to where what's your uh passion gonna take you to oh anywhere in the world you know what i haven't been to japan so i would love to go to japan i was lucky enough to travel most of the world as a professional track athlete but there are still some places i did not get to see and i would love to go to japan all right it's the zombie it's after the zombie apocalypse and you can only have two weapons, one melee weapon and the other one a firearm. What melee weapon would you carry and what uh, firearm would you carry? Uh, a machete? No, not no, a samurai sword. <laughs> one samurai sword. Okay, the so samurai sword for sure. Uh-huh. And the gun I would carry, ooh. Can I tell you, can I, I'm sorry, I don't know any guns. I'm Canadian. I don't know. <laughs> a, a, a Glock 9? I don't know. If I'm yeah, hey, that'll do the song. trick. Yo, pack my gat with my man. I don't, I have no idea. I just <laughs> use my samurai sword. <laughs> that'll do And it. a cap gun. That's what I'll do. A starter pistol, because I run track. I'll scare him. That's it. I want a samurai sword and a starter pistol. <laughs> Uh, so I gotta ask in all of your track days because I think sometimes the dedication you have to put into sports that people maybe not realize the same as acting um, mm-hmm. did you have any coaches that gave you some really good advice to keep it up um, you, you know Linda Blade Dr. Linda Blade was uh, my primary coach and and coach Willie Hill from Morehouse so two of them they did two different pieces of advice that really stuck with me Dr. Linda Blade, hers, she always said, keep it peppy and poppy. And though she was talking about my, my strides before I took off and jumped, it was kind of for me, and we talked about it, it was kind of like a little metaphor for life as well. Like nothing is that heavy. So mm-hmm. no matter what you're going through, you kind of keep it light. And then uh, Will the Thrill Hill from Morehouse, <laughs> uh, this is how he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big guy, plays football. Anyone who's ever gone to Morehouse would know that when I go, okay, baby, what? <laughs> Well, the truth, this is how he talks. He said, okay, well, listen, let me tell you what. If, if I got in a fight with God, 
<laughs> I mean, I win, but what he would know that Willie was there. <laughs> so yeah, for him, that that thing I remember sitting on the field hearing that for me, he's like basically I don't care who you're up against. You try your hardest. You make sure that everybody knows that you have been there, that you tried your best, and that uh, you know you you left it all there on the field or on the track or on the on the stage or whatever the case may be. So those, from those two, that'd be the things I remember the most. <laughs> now here's our final question. Now this is the one that we always ask everyone. Now you're based out of Alberta, Canada, right? That's right. Okay, so we're gonna tailor this question to there. You gotta okay. he- you gotta help a brother out. He has right. a hot date in Alberta, Canada, but he doesn't, he doesn't know the place. Right. So you got to give him Jesse's idea of a perfect date, uh, you know, on a night on the town to take a young lady in Alberta or a full day. All right. So what this will do, I'll say, because I'm in Calgary right now, I'll say we're in Calgary. So what I would do that, go ahead and make a little playlist on my, on my phone. Um, and then uh, we drive, I'm going to take her drive. We're going to go to Banff. Okay. It's mountain, gorgeous mountains. Okay. So we're going to drive to Banff. And on the way, we're just going to sing. It doesn't matter if you can sing good or sing bad. You're just going to sing. You're going to let her know that, you know what, my walls are down, baby. I'm vulnerable. And I don't care if I sound good or bad. I'm just, this is for you. This is your night sort of thing. She's going to be giggling unless you're good. Then she might be, like, blushing. Either one works, by the way. It's the same thing. Uh, okay, so then so we get to we get to Bath. Now we pull in these majestic mountains. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to go ahead and put our stuff in, our, in, our, in the hotel. We're going to go for a little walk down the street with the light snow. It's like big, fluffy snowflakes, giant lights. And it, we're walking hand in hand, like publicly. I'm not afraid to hold your hand on date one because I took you here, interlocked my fingers. Let's walk proud. So we're gonna walk proud. We're gonna go ahead and get ourselves a little chai latte at a little mountain coffee shop. We're gonna sit down and then I'm gonna pull out these tickets to the gondola, and then we're gonna go up this gondola all the way to the very, very, very top, where it looks like we're on top of the world. And we're gonna sit there sipping our chai lattes. And I'm just gonna ask her about her the whole time. Tell me about everything about you. I wanna know about you. And after we're done that, we're gonna go back to the hotel and sleep in separate bed. Cause it's the first night and I don't get down like that. After that, dude, you're good. That's what I think. <laughs> I like that. What do you think, Terlyn? Are you down? Oh, I am down for that. I think you should try it. <laughs> All right, well I mean I'm in Calgary. Where you at? Where you at? <laughs> oh man that was great man thank you so much this has been a pleasure to talk to you man right back at you guys i appreciate it that was fun yeah and um so we we got to get you back on and chop it up some more with you this was a lot of fun and uh absolutely so how can people connect with you on uh facebook twitter or you know websites or whatever yeah 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 my uh my my twitter is at the lipscomb so just the lipscomb l-i-p-s-c-o-m-b-e uh my instagram is the same thing uh my facebook is yeah just type in my name jesse lipscomb i don't have a fan page because that's too many things to keep up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, go ahead. You follow me on any of those things. And, I mean, if you just want to Google and find out some dirt on me, that's easy, too. It's so much funny. <laughs> um, but there you go. That's how you find me. All right, man. And uh, everybody, definitely be on the lookout for uh, Mutant World as well as Tiny Plastic Men and anything that has his name attached to it. Uh, you know, uh, this is, like I said, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, Tara Lynn, how can people contact you as well? Yeah, I am uh, Tara Lynn Gravoy on Twitter and on Facebook. So friend me and follow me. Yay. Yay. And uh, you can get me at Kente F. 
at Twitter. And uh, programming note, tomorrow night we're doing a Talking Hell on Wheels. We'll be joined by actor John Lacey, uh, who plays Virgil Farnsworth on the show, as well as the writer uh, Bruce uh, Romans on this sh- on uh, Hell on Wheels. So that's tomorrow. And Monday we have a new episode of Mars Venus. It's called Moral Dilemmas Part 2. So that'll be awesome as well. So uh, with that said, uh, we'll, you guys have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next time. I'm Kenta. All right. I'm Terry. Hey, I'm Jesse. Sorry, I jumped <laughs> in. I didn't know how it works. Love y'all. Hey, Take it works. It easy. <laughs> All right, ciao.